Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. What's up? How's it going? Good. How are you doing, bro? I'm very, very good. Thank you for joining today. I'm really excited for today's conversation. Um, been wanting to actually. I think I've only done a couple episodes on investing on the Mister IHR show, so it's good to be back talking about stocks. Mm-hmm. Would you mind introducing yourself to all the listeners at home? Tell us who you are and um, a bit about your story, because I think you're quite possibly the most international man I've ever met. Could be. I'll tell about this. Yeah. So name is Artem. Basically, natural-born Russian. Uh, came to the USA to get my MBA in finance, which nice. I obviously successfully did. So I was like, yes, in in Russia. Then I was in the Florida in the USA, and then I came to Canada for work purposes. So basically, yes, I'm like Russian, Canadian, and a little bit of the USA. So you are quite right saying that I'm quite international in some way. So right now, staying in Canada, working in finance, corporate finance, uh, was supposed to be back in Florida permanently, approximately like what in November 2020, but because of the restrictions and everything, you know. Yeah, so coronavirus and stuff. Staying in Canada for now, and as long as no, as long as it takes. Okay, cool. What city are you based in? Uh, the city is Mississauga, but the closest that everyone knows is Toronto, basically. So. Toronto, I would say. Toronto, okay. Yes, cool, yes. Cool, cool. No one knows. No one knows about Mississauga. Everyone knows about Toronto. Yeah, yeah, same. But yeah. that's cool, man. Um, so let's just dive. I've got some questions, but um, we can have a bit of a discussion about it as well. So, like, how long have you been investing for? We all know that you have this finance background and that you have an MBA. Mm-hmm. When did you actually start dipping your toe into investing? Because me personally, I started investing in 2016, mm-hmm. and I made some horrible mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, because of my internationality, because I was in Russia, then in the USA, I couldn't start until I became permanent resident of Canada. So, yes. yes, unfortunately. Obviously, I wish I could have started when I was like 18 or anything. So, first, I was in, the, in, in Russia. I got my bachelor's in economics, and it was, it was started in 2011. This is the first time I got exposure to like stock market and anything like this. But because I knew that eventually I will go to USA to study, basically, and I didn't know if I'm going to stay or not. So I couldn't basically open my Russian portfolio because of uncertainty. Same thing in the USA. I was on student visa. I came to the USA thinking I will stay. But later, just only later, I realized how hard it is actually to stay. And in order for my uh, stock portfolio to be opened, I needed a social security number, basically, which I later got. But whenever I got it, I had maybe like less than one year on my student visa left. So once again, because of uncertainty, I couldn't open the portfolio. But all this time I was studying, I was practicing like, you know, like paper trading and all this stuff, like using all Mm -hmm. this fake money, fake accounts, like all this kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And finally, as soon as I came to Canada, became permanent resident. So technically my first official portfolio, a legal portfolio, let's say so, became in 2019. But until then, until then, before this, I was investing through my father in Russian portfolio. 
All so, right, cool. So yes, so yeah, Russian portfolio is also like around 2019 it was. And like, yeah, I was like basically analyzing companies for my father, telling him what to buy, what to sell, and all, like all this kind of stuff. And he was making basically the final decisions. But my actual personal portfolio, which is already two of them, it started in Canada here in 2019 is the first one and the second one is 2020. Okay, wicked. We've already had some questions coming up in the chat. I've got some questions here, but we'll take them because I, I get the sense we'll get quite a few today. So mm -hmm. questions from um, Absolute Alchemy. If you're just starting out, what do you suggest to doing first? So for yeah. someone who, who um, maybe is investing a little bit in funds at the moment, and wants to start moving into individual stocks and shares. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest they first start doing? So obviously, like you already mentioned, the first thing is the best thing to do is to start through ETFs and index funds, like you already mentioned. And why it is so good? Because as you already might know, the best thing in investing, the one that brings you lots of money is time being invested. It's not yeah. the amounts, it's not that you need to wait until you have $1,000, it's time. The yeah. biggest thing in investing is time. So for the beginner, I suggest just start with ETFs. You don't even need to analyze to learn anything. Just start with ETFs. And while you're already invested, this is when you start studying the basics of fundamental analysis, basics of finance, finance of, of economics, of uh, investing, of uh, how to read the financials, like basically what's the composition of balance sheet, of income statement, of cash flow statement, because these are three basically minimum requirements in order for you to analyze companies. And like I said, the basics of fundamental analysis, because like I don't want anyone become traders or Bitcoin investors or anything like this. I'm all about real, real value investing, long-term investing, investing in companies, not investing in stocks. And for this, in order for you to invest properly in proper companies, in valuable companies, in good companies, you need to see how the company is performing, not how stock is performing. Yeah. So basically, fundamental analysis, basics of fundamental analysis. I would chip into that as well and say to Absolute Alchemy is that when you're investing in index funds or in ETFs, depending on the platform you're using, what well, most platforms will enable you to look at the top 10 holdings of mm -hmm. the funds that you're in. And I think that that's a very good starting point to go... Okay, and if it's like a, an American fund, for example, the top 10 holdings will most likely be Amazon, Google, mm -hmm. Microsoft, Johnson Johnson, Berkshire Hathaway. And what you can do is you can Google the annual reports of these companies and just have a read. Mm -hmm. You may understand 10, 20% of it, but what you'll do is you'll imbibe a lot of the language and a lot of the layout of mm -hmm. how all of these documents look. And as Artem said, cash flow statement, balance sheet, and income statement are the three things you look for when you're analyzing your companies. Um, have you had any um, kind of investing wins or woes since 2019? Investing like big gains, you mean? Um, not necessarily gains, but investing decisions you've made that you're, you're happy with and you're like, ah. you know, this, this was a sensible decision. Well, obviously, all the decisions that I'm making are supposed to be something that I enjoy and like because I need to be comfortable with my investments. Like, mm -hmm. if, if there is at least one company which I'm not sure about, like, for example, if the company I bought because, like, I don't know it's popular, even though I never did it, but just giving you a theoretical example, what if there is a company which I bought, but, like, that's a popular company, but I have some doubts about this company. 
I will always be like holding, like walking on thin ice around this company. As soon as there's something bad about this company, I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to sell it. That's it. So for this reason, you need to be comfortable with your investments. And for this reason, every single company I'm having, I like them. So basically all my portfolio, I think I have 14 companies right now. And there is, I think, only two companies which are from the same sector. Every single other company is one company from each sector. So yeah. because of this diversification, you know, last Thursday, last Friday, Apple, Tesla, they all went like so much up, down. Yeah. And like, like what Apple went like minus 8% or something. But because of diversification, like my portfolio was actually plus 1% for this day when all yeah. tech giants, they collapsed basically. Yeah. So, I'm yeah so you make a really good point there. Um, I, you know, I follow Warren Buffett all day. I think if you want to get really sound investing advice, checking out some of his YouTube interviews with the interviewer mm -hmm. Becky Quick on CNBC, it's just a gold mine of um, just investing kind of advice and just wisdom. I've also read all of his shareholder letters, but you don't mm -hmm. need to be that crazy. That actually took me mm -hmm. two years to do. But um, underlying what Artem's just said is um, you need to be comfortable with the investing decisions you make and you need to invest in what you understand in and not in what's popular. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, cool. And any stock picking no-nos? Anything that you've seen in your time that you're just like, this just doesn't make any sense or this is just generally bad practice? No, if you want to start talking about Tesla, this is one of these like companies that just doesn't make sense. I like Tesla as a company. I admire and respect Elon as a guy, as an inventor, as the like meme guy who is watching and posting memes and stuff like this. But company investment itself, it absolutely doesn't make sense at all. It's like, it's like market capitalization of Tesla is like what more than all the other car manufacturers combined, basically. Yeah. P, P ratio is more than thousand. And the ways of looking at PE ratio, and the ways of looking at PE ratio, there are two ways, at least like there are way more than this, but my two favorite ways of looking at PE ratio, for example, if PE ratio is like average 15, first way of looking at PE ratio, it means that you need to invest $15 just to get $1 back basically oh, in profits. Nice. And yeah. the second way, and the second way, if you invest in the company with PE ratio of 15, it basically means that assuming earnings, revenues, everything will remain the same, it will take you 15 years to get yes. your money back. And now yeah. look at the peer ratio of Tesla, 1,000 plus. Are you willing to wait for 1,000 years just so your money will be back to you? Or are you willing to invest $1,000 just to make $1 back? So this is just the very tip of the iceberg about Tesla. But basically, like, don't go, don't follow all these crazy, extremely popular companies that everyone is talking about never invest in companies which are filing for IPO just to get over the bankruptcy like what did like Hertz did like Kodak is not experiencing now but still it's ridiculous and speaking about Kodak never invest in company which is doing something completely different from their scope of activities Kodak is like what producing like films photo 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 cameras and everything like this and now they got like money from the government to develop like vaccine or something like this and like, it's absolutely unrelated to what they do. And people like, oh, it's going to be vaccine by Kodak. So let's invest in it. Like, and just ridiculous. Like, just go through the financial statements. Like I said, see the company, if it's in good financial health, invest long term, don't invest in the stock, invest in the company and you're good to go. Yeah. Another one that I like from Buffett as well is um, 
you're investing in the company, yes, but you're also investing in the management and in the CEO. Um, you see a lot of um, high-performing investors putting a lot of emphasis on the people that are actually running the company. Um, and I think that this can be correlated with why some founder CEOs companies have done so well, because they're at the helm and they have a vested interest in the company succeeding. So I'm, I'm looking at people like Jeff Bezos, for example. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that, um, that Amazon isn't necessarily a good buy at the moment, but um, mm -hmm. you know he started it, he was in the garage, and he's still mm -hmm. at the helm, and that has a lot to do with the company's success. Yeah. Um, so something that's going to be different for you um, living in Canada are some of the services you use to invest. So what do you use to invest in stocks? Because back in the UK, we've got... Robinhood was supposed to come out here, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it didn't. But we've got free trade. We've got trading two on two. We've mm -hmm. got um, Hargreaves Lansdowne. What do you use? Yes. So I use Wealthsimple. This is okay. exactly the same like Robinhood and trading two on two. It's extremely basics. It does not give you extremely like like pie, pie charts, like all these line charts. It does not break down your portfolio in big details like many other sophisticated investing online brokers, I mean, do, like Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade. But it's, like I said, it's exactly like Robin Hood. It does its job. Like, basically, you select the company, and then there are two big buttons, buy or sell. And it, like I said, it just does the job, whatever I need. Like, all the other analytics, I do it myself. Like, I'm not using uh, Wealthsimple to analyze companies. I'm using Wealthsimple just to buy or sell them. And, like, for analysis, I use different stuff, basically. So, does the job more than enough for me. Okay, cool. Um, do they charge commissions? No, exactly like Robin Hood, like uh, trading to one, to zero commission, zero nothing. Like you don't pay for anything. Like basically everything is for free. Um, and yes, they also have this referral links and all this stuff. I think in Robin Hood, you get free stocks if somebody signs up with you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in trading to one, two, I'm not sure. Do they have referral stuff in trading to one, two? I think so. So yes, in Wealthsimple, yeah, in Wealthsimple, they also have referral, but instead of stock, you just get $10 fixed. So like, you know, in Robinhood, you can get like stock, which is like valuable, like $3, or you can get some like Apple shares or anything like this. In Wealthsimple, it's just fixed, like just $10 for inviting people. And yeah, okay. both you get and the person who is invited gets $10. Cool. Um, do you mind if I share a quick story for the listeners yeah. at home? Because this point about commissions is really important. So um Back when I first started investing, a lot of these apps weren't out yet. They were kind of um, like kind of pre-launch. And I made my first, I bought my first ever stock on a platform called um, Hargreaves Lansdowne. And Hargreaves Lansdowne charged a commission because I was first starting out. And, and I bought a share of Unilever because I was first starting out. I thought, let me just use a really small amount of money, like 50 pounds and mm -hmm. put it in but I didn't know about commission. So I actually invested 50 pounds, paid something like 12 pounds in commission, which was a huge chunk of the 50. <laughs> and then over the course of the year, the stock grew like 20 or 25% or something. And then I sold it again and paid commissions again. So it's just, and I broke even. So it's just something to be mindful of, which is um, when you're buying individual stocks, the amount of money that you have to put in in the first place needs to be enough to absorb the trading fees unless you're using a commission-free service um, like the ones we've just mentioned. We just had a couple more questions in the chat, which I'll come yeah. okay. um, From Skilled Finances, Artem, would you consider yourself a growth or dividend style investor? 
I would consider myself more value investor. So it's basically, it's closer to dividend investor. Uh, basically, value investing means what? You invest in the undervalued companies, which are have, which are having good financials, strong financials, which are in pretty good financial condition. And uh, at the same time, the price for these companies is usually it's supposedly a perfect perfect case scenario. The price for these companies is below their intrinsic or real value, basically. This is perfect case scenario for value investors to find such company to summarize with good financials and the price, which is lower than it's supposed to be. But I do have a couple of like uh, gross investment types, let's say so, or I would even call them not gross investments, but I will call them companies in distress. I have uh, Carnival and Southwest. Obviously, both industries are extremely suffering from the pandemic. But in this case, whenever I'm analyzing companies in distress, I focus more on finding companies which have which has the least chances of going bankrupt. It's because mm-hmm. my my idea, if the companies right now trading like literally like what seventy percent discount, and if these companies can overcome these difficulties, if they can survive through pandemic, which basically means if they have the least chance of going bankrupt, it means that eventually, most likely, at least I hope, that the price will go back either to original levels or even higher. And which means that in order for you to receive 70% loss, uh, uh, you will need to experience like what, like 100 plus percent basically of growth, like how math works, like I don't know, something like that. So these are my two companies in distress. In growth investing, like, yeah, I believe in growth investing way more than I believe in like Bitcoin or Forex, obviously, or trading in general. So the only company of growth company I have is Apple. And I think that's it, yeah. Like, yeah, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit overvalued, I know, but the company is just so strong and financially so strong. The whole North America uses iPhones, like Canada, USA, and they always develop new stuff, like new ways of integrating in our daily lives, like all this Apple Watch, I know, iPads, MacBooks, everything, basically. So I see them, despite them being overvalued, though they're not that much overvalued, like Amazon or Tesla, obviously. So I see this as a company that will survive like for like 30, 50 plus years, maybe even within our lifetimes, it will still exist. Yeah. And so not only do Apple make great products, but their entire ecosystem by the admission of the people who use their products is designed to kind of take you down a rabbit hole where Mm -hmm. all of the products speak to each other and it's less open than Android. And that's another strength of the, of the brand. And the fact that Warren Buffett, you know, I think Apple was his second tech stock that he bought after IBM was quite a vote of confidence, the fact that he was happy to invest in them. Mm-hmm. Um, just had another question from, um, oh, we've had confirmation from Erica Lilly, Trading212 does give um, a free share for a referral. Yeah. Thank you, Erica. Um, another question from the Cameroonian Wolf. If you're looking to find the fund manager for active fund management, what time horizon um, years of fund performance do you suggest you look at to evaluate their performance? Well, if it's a question for me, I'm not myself personally investing in funds or like I'm not using mutual funds. So I never use the services of fund manager. But me being a long-term investor, which basically means that my portfolio is until the retirement, long story short, so for me, if I ever uh, do use mutual fund services or anything like this, I will, I don't know, I will ask as long as possible the performance of portfolio for as long basically as it goes in the past. 
because if the me personally, like I said, I'll be investing for 38 more years. So if you can show me the data for 38 years, like it's okay for me, but like this date is not that relevant. Like it's in the past and anything, everything, anything can happen in the future. So all the pay, past data, we leave it for traders. Like we look yep. in the future, we look in the present as value investors. I um I I side with uh, Artem on this one, Cameroonian Wolf, and the reason is because very few professional fund managers have managed to outperform the market over long periods of time, and a lot of the fund managers' portfolios um, are very index-like. So you can invest in like an S and P five hundred index fund and actually outperform um, human stock pickers. If you just do a Google, I think. Um, it was like 2017, Warren Buffett did a, a bet with a hedge fund manager that the S&P 500 would be able to outperform the hedge fund man manager's portfolio. And it was a $1 million bet. And Warren Buffett won after 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it was just a very humbling sort of experience. But that's just, that's just uh, our personal view. Um, and when it comes to reading books, are there any books that you recommend for people who want to... Uh, learn how to analyze financial statements and how to pick individual stock. Okay. So do feel free to uh, mention your ebook as well, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good time to mention them since you're asking. So yes, uh, I can mention basically books in the specific order which I was reading that brought me to this mindset and everything. And this also includes maybe books not directly invested to, directly related to investing. Uh, so in this case, it will be a, Poor, rich debt, poor debt. This, this is the book that's not maybe specifically about investing, though it talks about real estate investing. But this is the book that teaches you basically that you need to create income streams, that you need to create like uh, things that make you money, like assets. Like you don't need to be focused on focusing on purchasing liabilities, like expensive car, expensive clothes. You need to make like you need to make money work for you. You need to make money produce more money. And this whole book is basically on this mindset. And this might help people start investing. So after this, I was reading uh, Think and Grow Rich. This was by Napoleon Hill, if Brilliant. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Also yeah. a good book. And this book already, like, yes, more or less focusing on the mindset also of an investor. Though it doesn't talk too much about investing. It talks about basically the mindset of how, how being financially independent, like basically these type of things. And the next book, yes, it's exactly already about investing, about how to analyze companies, how to invest, how to think like an investor. Obviously, everyone's favorite intelligent investor. Like, it just like you cannot skip this book, I would say. Yes, right? Intelligent investor is a good book, but you know, I don't recommend it to people simply because it's so long. So I think, like, if I'm speaking to someone that I know will definitely get through it, then I'll, I'll mention it. But I think it's it's quite a heavy, well, what, what do you think? I think it's quite a heavy book. Uh, like in terms of like financial language and terms, like these kind of things you mean? Like you mean heavy, to, hard to understand, you mean? No, just, just very long. Uh, if you like investing like I do, for me, it was a pleasure reading it. So I was listening to audio book because I'm like working a lot. I have this project. I have my regular nine to five. So uh, obviously there's very little time for me to read. Instead, I'm just using audio books whenever I go to the gym or before going to sleep or when I was driving to my work, listening in the car. So that's basically how I was going with the books. And for me, because like I said, I just like investing and everything. 
So for me, it was very interesting book. And it also focuses a lot about the mindset that like you cannot beat the market, just play along with it. Like uh, basically that you need to invest long term, that all this trading stuff is just having fun. It's not real money maker and long term perspective, like uh, and all these kind of things. And the next one, yes, I see that uh, there was a book suggested in the comments already. And I just uh, read it like what? Last week, I think I finished it, is One Up on Wall Street by Peter okay. Lynch. Extremely good book. And this is a book already focusing on the more growth investing, I would say. Though he is also mentioning that basically you need to invest long term. You cannot beat the market like this and this and that. The longer you invest, the least chances you have of beating the market. And that uh, basically how to select good companies, that those companies must be not popular. These companies must be with like, good financials. Like if the company is being talked about by everyone, if the rating agencies uh, increase rating for the company, all rating agencies say, buy, 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 buy. This is the perfect time to sell. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, this one is also a good book. Um, and uh, once again, Benjamin Graham, uh, security analysis. I think it will be even more boring, let's say, so than the intelligent investor. But this is, once again, the fundamentals of fundamental analysis. So those are the books that helped me definitely become what I am right now. That's wicked. Do you mind if I drop a book in the hat? Uh, yes. Cool. So um, I did say that on stories I was going to give a book away. This book here, um, Warren Buffett and the Interpretation of Financial Statements, is very, very good. As you can see, it's not as uh, thick as The Intelligent Investor, another very good book. This book actually explains what Warren Buffett looks for in individual um, companies and is, you know, explains the basics of analyzing financial statements. It's a really, really good read. And I'm going to be giving it away to the first person who can tell me the year that Warren Buffett was born in the comments. Okay, good cool. luck, everyone. And you're allowed to use Google if you want to. Mm -hmm. All right, Artem. So we have come to the uh, section of the show where I ask rapid fire questions. Okay. So I'm just going to hit you with those. Um, starting with, um, what's your biggest money achievement? Investing in Apple. <laughs> it, in, it, I don't know. It's a rapid question. So investing in Apple, I made like 60 plus percent already since the time I invested in them. 60 plus percent. Very, yes. very nice. Um, do you think you'll top up anytime soon? Uh, unfortunately, cannot answer this question because I don't know what top up means in English. All <laughs> oh, right. Um, do you think that you will add to your position anytime soon? If I buy my stocks, if I buy my yeah. stocks, yes, I'm buying every single month, dollar cost averaging and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, Tuesday, tomorrow. Wicked. Um, next, what's the best piece of money advice you've ever received? Start investing as soon as you can. Like it, simples. If you were to win the lottery, how would you spend the money? Invest all of that. <laughs> uh, any, any way that you'd allocate it? Let's say you were to win $10 million. Uh, good companies with good dividend yield. So basically to live on dividends, like to achieve maybe mm. like 4 or 5% dividend yield and 4 or 5% dividend yield from 10 million is like what? 500,000 per year, good enough for me. Yeah, investor income, like it. 
And lastly, what are your long-term money goals? To invest until I'm 65, retire with a couple of million dollars and then just chill and don't worry and teach my kids to invest as soon as they want, as soon as they can. That's wicked. I'm sure that with the knowledge that you have, you'll end up with a lot more than a couple mil, but you keep going. I'm hoping. Cool. So, um, yeah, that brings us to the um, end of the episode. Just as a summary for everyone, we've talked today about the importance of buying at the right price. So not buying companies when everyone is speaking about them. We've talked about understanding what you invest in. We've talked about the importance of actually taking um, an interest in the company and reading its financial statements. Um, do you have any closing remarks for anyone who's listening at home who's been thinking about wanting to invest in individual stocks um, but hasn't quite been able to make the job? So basically, uh, I, I know you allowed me to promote my book, which is completely free. So this is basically my book. I wrote it like all by myself, obviously. And this is not like typical ebook that you see like in this community where people just, just like copy paste their posts and call it an ebook. <clears throat> my book is an actual written material. It's actual text. And this is basically the summary of basically what everything I know of all the <clears throat> of the intelligent investor, of you know, rich that, poor that, all these like books, basically the concentration of those things, focusing mainly on the mindset. And so if you're looking to start to invest, but you don't know when and where, if you're like maybe like most people, you want to invest in one company and make a lot of profits and then stop investing. So in order for you to change this mindset, my book basically I would say is a pretty good one, at least I hope so got some decent amount of downloads and the link is in my bio. So if you want to read it, like I said, it's free. Um, and just like I said, start thinking at least about investing because it's something that you definitely will never regret doing. This is something that will definitely benefit like you. This is something that you will be like 40 years from now, 20 years from now, you'll be like, thanks God I started investing. Like this is something that definitely you should do. And in our age, in our age with it so being so easy, like commission free stock trading or anything like this, like like there is no excuse for you not to do it. And like fractional shares, you can start like literally like ten dollars. So like no excuses for you not to invest. You've heard it from the man himself. No excuse not to invest. Artem, thank you very much for joining us. Well, for you this afternoon, for me this yeah. evening. Thank you for being my first international guest. Artem's book is free to download. The link is in his bio. Two and a half thousand downloads and counting. Mm -hmm. And thank you to those of you at home for um, guessing Warren Buffett's birth year. The winner of this book with the answer 1930 is Simply Budget. We'll be here on the Mr. Money Show show at the, next, at the same time next week. Take care, everyone. Okay. Thank you all for joining. Thanks so much. See you. Bye-bye.